I can't tell you how many times over the last 20 years I've had a manager come storming into my office saying, that's it. This employee is the worst. He's got to go. And when I ask, so show me your corrective action file on the employee, there is none. To make it worse, all too often, I've been the manager that that was wanting to fire the employee or shoot them into space. And I've had no or very little discipline in a file to show for it. Welcome to this installment of the LGPS podcast. I'm Howard Schusler, Government Services Director for Lane Council of Governments and Local Government Personnel Services. Today's podcast is all about corrective action. When one thinks about corrective action for systems or processes or non-human organizational activities, a standard approach might look something like define and describe the problem, define the scope of the problem, identify the root cause, plan for a corrective action, implement the corrective action, follow up and make sure the plan worked. One reasonable and fairly typical definition of corrective action that I've seen when it comes to employees is a process of communicating with the employee to improve unacceptable behavior or performance after other methods such as coaching and performance appraisals have not been successful. I'm going to define corrective action, I think, a little more expansively. I think people talk about corrective action as if it's the same as discipline. I think of corrective action as being any time you, as a manager, supervisor, or a project lead, need to take action to correct performance or behavior that's not really meeting the minimum expectation or standard. If you need to coach or counsel someone because they're not meeting that minimum expectation and it's the first time, You still need to sit down with the person, find out what's going on, and then work out a plan to correct, hopefully with them, or provide direction for them to correct. It's the same basic steps or process. I also believe that you need to find some way to document the fact that you've had this conversation. A small caveat, I believe, is if you're coaching or counseling someone who's already reasonably successful to help them excel, I don't think that fits within my description of corrective action, and that would be the subject for another podcast. I think one thing that's crucial here, don't wait until the 10th time. Don't just tell an employee to get better or stop doing something multiple times until you're totally annoyed. Uh, Depending on the severity, act early and begin directly addressing the issue and documenting your actions. A typical example might be a decent employee makes it through probation and then shows up for work a few minutes late. You notice and think, it's just an anomaly. Then the employee shows up late again and you casually mention it to the employee. Then the employee starts showing up late fairly often and it's getting later and later. And now you're pissed off. You're starting from from step one, really, of the corrective action process Even though it's been going on for a while, a good union officer would even point out that the employee thought it was okay because you tolerated it for so long. Now, not only is the employee a performance problem for you, but you're going to get the blame. So act early, address the issue directly, and document, even if it's subtle documentation. 
The reason I say subtle documentation is because this is where it can get a little tricky, especially in a union environment. If you prepare a memo that says you, meaning the employee, were not meeting the minimum standard or violated some rule, you're late, for example, and I coached or counseled you to correct that, unions will typically say, that's discipline, and I've seen this grieved, and I've seen arbitrators side with the unions. So my advice would be to follow up with an email thanking the employee for his or her time and to state the rule or standard that was violated, something like, as a reminder, our policies say blah, 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 and not refer to any specific action or behavior. In your own records, keep the outline you prepared for your conversation with the employee, keep a record of the time, place, and attendees, Somewhere in your notes, describe the issue in some detail. You probably should already have used this as the basis of or part of your conversation with the employee and a copy of the follow-up email. Some performance or behavior issues can and should be addressed initially through coaching or counseling. Someone comes in a few minutes late one time, performance is a little slow, um, that sort of thing. Some performance or behavior can and should be addressed initially through formal corrective action. An employee is shouting at coworkers, uh, leaves a building unsecured, does something that is unsafe. Coaching and counseling is not always the appropriate first step. There are a couple of key concepts for formal corrective action, and these concepts, while important in all workplaces, are particularly important in union shops. These concepts are just cause and progressive discipline. Just cause is the standard that management must apply when disciplining or discharging an employee. It means that in union settings, an employee, an employer must have a reason to act in disciplining an employee and the reason must be just and fair. The concept of just cause is well established in labor law. I'm going to quote something from uh, a specific arbitrator. Just cause means the employer must have a reason, cause, for imposing discipline, and the reason must be fair, just. In 1964, arbitrator Carol Doherty established a single standard to determine if the discipline or discharge of an employee can be upheld as just cause action or as a just cause action. People often refer to the seven tests for just cause. Was the employee adequately warned of the consequences of his, his or her conduct? Was the employer's rule or order reasonably related to efficient and safe operations? Did management investigate before administering the discipline? Was the investigation fair and objective? Did the investigation produce substantial evidence of proof or, or proof of guilt? Were the rules, orders, and penalties applied even-handedly and without discrimination? Was the penalty reasonably related to the seriousness of the offense and the past record? And this is a great one for a transition into progressive discipline. Progressive discipline is a method of discipline that uses graduated steps for dealing with problems related to an employee's performance or behaviors that do not meet clearly defined standards and policies. This means that the level of discipline must be proportionate for the offense. If someone is late for work, 
you counsel the employee, and then the employee comes in late again, start with the lowest level of discipline in the contract or in your policies. You wouldn't want to start out with a suspension or a termination, generally speaking. You don't always need to start at the lowest level. Obvious examples for higher levels of discipline for a first offense might be theft or violence. Generally speaking, you begin with a warning, you move on to a reprimand for a second, uh, then uh, an unpaid suspension, and ultimately termination. In union environments, arbitrators put the, bar, they put the bar pretty high for terminations, and I have heard arbitrators refer to them as employment death sentences. So let's talk about how. Once you've determined that corrective action is necessary and appropriate, I would always suggest that you prepare to take corrective action or to meet with the employee for the corrective action. And preparation is really key here. Set a time and place and ensure privacy. Make notes about what you want to say in advance. Don't go in and just wing it. Remember that generally the employee has a right to choose representation and certainly in a union environment. Be specific in describing the unacceptable performance or behavior. Give the employee the time to give their side of things or their things from their perspective. State clearly what, that you are issuing some specific form of discipline if that's what you're doing and what, at what level. For represented employees in a union environment, the forms of discipline are defined in the CBA, the contract, and the examples would be warning, reprimand, unpaid suspension, termination, I've also seen demotion and some other things. For non-represented employees, the forms of discipline defined in your organization's policies would be what you would go with. Generally, you should check with your counsel and CIS for those who use CIS for any discipline that has an economic impact, for example, suspension, demotion, termination. Document the meeting, even if it's as simple as a follow-up email to summarize the meeting. I might also add, it's important to approach corrective action consistently for all employees. Employees typically pick up pretty quickly when one employee gets a pass and others are subject to all of the rules. They'll either try to emulate the behavior in some way of that, you know, your favorite employee, or they'll complain about the inconsistency and morale will suffer. About two months ago, I had the opportunity to talk with Pierre Robert, LGPS's principal labor attorney uh, on the phone about corrective action from his perspective as a labor attorney. Here's a part of that conversation. Okay, again, uh, thanks again for joining me, Pierre. Um, I'm hoping that you can talk a little bit about corrective action and, and sort of the importance of documentation and taking action early and regularly when dealing with employee conduct and performance issues. I know that you are the person who often gets pulled in after the fact when things have really gone sideways. So I'm thinking, what is your suggestion to agencies as they're dealing with, uh, you know, whether it's a performance issue and it's, you know, insufficient performance, or if they're dealing with, um, you know, conduct that, that, they know is probably not appropriate, but everybody wants to be a nice person. Everybody wants to uh, be supportive and encouraging, and it seems like the, 
one of the biggest issues I run into is, is management waiting too long. And then when they're finally fed up, let's, let's fire the person. Yes, that's a common, um, uh, yeah, Howard, you're quite right. Um, I urge LTPS members to reach out uh, to use their technical assistance benefit uh, by telephoning me and uh, bringing a discipline matter, you know, seeking my advice about a discipline matter uh, as early as possible. The earlier you, the earlier I can offer you advice uh, on how to run your discipline process, you know, the better. Um, uh, because there are things that a lot of managers who are good at lots of things may not understand or, or know about um, uh, applying a discipline process or administering a discipline process uh, to a represented employee. So that's my first bit of advice. Um, yes, I, I find that in a environment where the employees you supervise are represented by a union that has bargained um, uh, agreements with the employer about discipline itself bargain a discipline process and bargain a grievance process um, I find that there's a lot of ways man uh, uh, lawyers uh, make errors that they are of which they are unaware that set them up to be unsuccessful in, um, in imposing discipline for especially yeah, discipline for both, you know, uh, 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 performance deficits or discipline for uh, misbehavior of one kind or another. So it sounds like in addition to the fact that they should be documenting and addressing early and often, it how they do it is also just as important and, they, and, and you'd be a good uh, source of advice for that, I think. Certainly. Um, Documenting early and regularly, consistently, uh, uh, hard to emphasize that enough. Uh, hard to emphasize that enough. And, uh, and, and my understanding also is if they're considering a real serious sanction, you know, uh, termination because somebody, they believe somebody's done something that's, you know, intolerable, that if they are if they're working with CIS, they probably should be checking in with the CIS pre-loss attorney as well. I always recommend that. I always recommend that. Years ago, uh, CIS's uh, uh, executive director um, uh, asked LGPS to anytime we became aware uh, that a public employer in Oregon. Uh, by CIS was going to was contemplating uh, discipline that had any economic um, impact at all, even a mild one, to uh, to to call CIS's uh, pre-loss attorneys for advice before doing so. Yeah. I always and I do. I always encourage that. So I I appreciate that uh, 
sage advice, Pierre. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but, but yeah, you're quite right. It's a it's a problem uh, for, for for managers, and this goes for managers in, in larger organizations as well, uh, who may have more HR support than managers in smaller organizations may, may have more uh, you know, uh, in-house professional HR support. It's it's still even there with some support. It's still uh, unpleasant. It's uh, it's just viscerally unpleasant for many managers to uh, uh, step up to uh, the imposing discipline on employees. Yeah, it's human uh, nature. No, nobody wants to be in conflict with others. No one wants to, uh, very few people at least, want to be the hammer. Everybody wants to be liked. So it's, it's hard. I, and I think that's Sure. At the LGPS website, members can go to the members only page and download. Uh, there's a, uh, well, there are a variety of materials there, printers that uh, might be useful. Uh, I would start with for, for representative employees. There is a, a very, one, there, there's a very plain uh, one page list of the tenets of just cause uh, that you want to know about. It's kind of a seven point list of procedural safeguards that you need to understand are are applied in, in industrial relations uh, when arbiters uh, hear um, uh, grievance arbitrations concerning this. Um, and, and, that, and I think those, they provide guidelines even, out, even in non-union uh, represented environments, just causes still part of the kind of the thinking around due process, isn't that right? Yeah, you, you're right. You're right. I think in public employment, that's true. So if you're a public employee, but you're not represented, your employer very likely uh, uh, uses, has adopted um, the tenets of just cause as a, um, uh, as a foundation of due process uh, that it should be, you know, it adopts it as a, as a set of rules that it, the employer, should follow and should be bound by when um, in, considering imposing discipline on any employee, regardless of representation. That's a good point. Thank you, Pierre. Just as a quick recap, when employee performance or behavior is not meeting your minimum standards, don't wait too long before taking action. Take action promptly and directly. Follow the basic structure, which is set a time to meet with the employee, make notes or an outline to prepare for the meeting, follow your union contracts and your organizational policies, be specific and fairly direct, Allow the employee the opportunity to respond. Be clear about what action you're taking or proposing. If there is any economic impact, consult with you know, your county council, your city attorney, your district attorney, uh, and CIS pre-loss consultants if you use CIS. Document your conversation and the proposed actions. 
Don't wait until the 10th time or until you're finally fed up. Don't just tell an employee to get better and stop doing something multiple times and expect their performance or behavior to change. Depending on the severity, act early and begin directly addressing the issue and documenting your actions. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our talk on corrective action. If you're an LGPS member, please take a look at our website. It's recently undergone some changes, hopefully for the better, and that's https colon slash slash www.lcog.org forward slash LGPS. Uh, There's a new members only section, which has uh, quite a bit of content, including some forms and templates that you may find useful. It has some newsletters. Uh, We have the latest CPI numbers. The latest newsletter has a really good legislative recap for labor and HR issues taken on by this year's Oregon legislature. As a member, you can also email asklgps at lcog.org and get free technical assistance for things we can respond to in an hour or less, or we get you connected to someone who can help with more in-depth questions. LGPS is here to help. Thanks for joining us. We're currently working on our next installment, which will focus on telework and virtual workplaces, or more accurately, hybrid telework policies. As a result of the pandemic, I suspect our concepts of workplace and work hours have become more fluid, or in some cases very fluid, and are transforming into something that few would have predicted. Until then, thank you, and we'll catch you next time.